All right, grab your Bibles with me, if you will, Psalm chapter 1. Uh, next week, Pastor Damon Scapin from our church, Triumph, uh, Triumph Church, Washington, D.C., will be with us. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to having him. And uh, so I hope you'll we'll come expecting to hear a good report on D.C., as well as uh, hear a great message. He's one of the best preachers that I know. You're absolutely going to love him. Um, he's, he's way better than I am, so it, it's going to be a good day. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. As we've been reading in our, uh, well, let's just read this uh, three verses real fast. If you're there, uh, if, if you don't know, we have an, uh, an app, Triumph Church. You search Triumph Church TX. You'll find it there. It's a blue and white T. And uh, you can download our sermon notes. You can follow along with us. If you're at home, you can download the sermon notes from your phone, on your phone and follow along with us. But let's read in verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Why don't we begin this morning with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your presence that is here today. I thank you that we get to come here. We get to lift up your name. We get to sing and we get to worship uh, freely because of what your son Jesus did for us. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've been reading my one-year Bible, and I hope that you're all reading with me, um, I have fallen in love again with the Psalms. So many great scriptures in there. You know what I like about the book of Psalms? You know, when you start um, reading scripture, you can get the idea that everyone was these like amazing people that never messed up and every, had everything going on and they were people of amazing faith and they, their faith never uh, waned at all and they never made mistakes and they never got in a fight with their wife and nobody ever talked bad about them. But man, when you read the book of the Psalm, book of Psalms, these guys get real. And it makes me feel like, and maybe you're the same way, but it makes me feel like, okay, I can do this too. Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about? All right. So I'm really loving the, uh, the book of Psalms. In fact, I'm thinking later this year, I'm praying about doing a series on just some of my favorite verses in the book of Psalms because um, th there's so many of them. It's so good. But I was reading here, and this whole book, it's actually... A lot of different songs that were written or poem type things that were written and, and conglomerated into one book. So we say the book of Psalms, but when you say uh, Psalm 1 or Psalm 50, don't say Psalms plural. Does that make sense? Okay, I want you to be, I want you to be grammatically correct. So it's Psalm 1, but it's the book of Psalms. You got it? Because it's a lot of different things that people wrote and stuck together. All right. So Psalm 1 gets the whole book started. He starts with these great words. And, and, and I love uh, what the New Living Translation says, Oh, the joys. Oh, the joys. Th that just got me off to the right foot. When I was reading that this week, I just said, man, that makes me feel good right there. Oh, the joys. I, how many of you need more joy in your life? I mean, for those of you that just have more than enough, share it with the people around you. 
Quit being so stingy all the time. Share with the people around you. But, but man, I, I don't know what you do every day, but when I walk through this world, I see people that are hurting, and they're frustrated, and they're angry, and they're upset, and they're always striving, and they need to smile a little bit more. Have you noticed, and this is just a personal thing, it's bothersome to me that there's like no good, clean comedies that come out in the movies anymore. You have to go watch Filth, which I, Lindsay and I just refuse to do, which, but it's very frustrating because we just want to go and get some comic relief every now and then. But you can't do that anymore. They've, they've quit making those great comedies that, that I grew up on. I was making some of my kids, we've been, because there's nothing to go watch, we've been watching on Netflix, and I'm making them go back and watch some of the classics, and they're like, I don't want to watch this, this is stupid. And they get done, like, Dad, that was hilarious. I'm like, I know. Because we, we, we live in a world that needs some joy. And so when the psalmist started out, oh, the joy, he got my attention. Watch what it says in the Message Bible. And, and this really, I, I liked this one. He said, how well God must like you. That's what I want to talk to you today about. How well God must like you. You know, last week I talked to you about how God's not mad at you and he's not angry at you and he's not trying to figure out how to punish you. When I read this verse, you know, I, I thought of my, my wife and I. You know, we celebrated 13 years of marriage uh, about a month ago. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. You must have gotten married at 12. Um, no, 16. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, 13 years of marriage, and, uh, and uh, you know, for those that have been married a few minutes, you understand, uh, you, when my, grandpa, my grandfather was at his 50th wedding anniversary, they did like restated their vows, and we had a big massive party, and they said, Brother Marshall, what's it been like in 50 years? And in his Mississippi accent, he said, well, there were wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you've been married a minute or two, that there are wars and there are rumors of I know you think Lindsay and I are perfect. <laughs> there are wars and rumors of wars. And I, I remember she's told me on multiple occasions after I've done something foolish and, and just not right and just acted like a, a man, okay? <laughs> she, we, we'd get it all straightened out. I'm apologizing. She's not mad at me anymore, you know, and, and, I, and so I'm wanting to go on like everything's okay. And she says, Randon, I love you, but I don't have to like you right now. <laughs> she, she does love me, and she does like me, but in that moment, she didn't like what I was doing. She didn't like the way I was acting, the way I was behaving. She didn't like what I was saying. You know, I think we have to be realistic a little bit about God. He absolutely loves us, and here's what the Word says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing you do, there is nothing so horrible that God doesn't love you so much that he already in advance sent his son to die for you. There is nothing you can do. He loves you and he doesn't live mad at you all the time. But can we be realistic enough to say that there are some things we might be doing in our life that God doesn't like? Can, can, can that be okay? Like I am doing things that God doesn't like, so maybe I should get them straight because I want to say, I want to be the guy that the psalmist was writing about. Oh, how well God must like you. Boy, at the end of my life, I would love for somebody to stand up and say, God must have liked Randon. I hope they don't follow it up with, God must have liked him because no one else did, but... 
I want that to be said of me. Oh, how well God must have liked me. Wouldn't you like the same thing? That's what I want to talk to you today. God must like, must like you. Um, he, he gives in these verses, he gives three things that righteous people don't do, right? And then he's going to give us two things that righteous people do, and then he's going to give us five blessings that come from doing the right thing, right? If you don't do these things and you do the things that he tells you to do, there's five blessings that come with it. How many of you like to know what those five blessings are? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to get you awake this morning. Okay, three things that righteous people don't do. We get them right here in verse one. Number one, righteous people don't follow the advice of the wicked. They don't follow the advice of the wicked. They don't follow the counsel of the wicked. You do, do you know that as a son and daughter of God, as when, when Christ is living in you, when the Holy Spirit is living in you, you have the ability to discern who you are receiving advice from. I want you to note here, it doesn't say that the advice was bad. He's talking about who we're receiving advice from. Have you stopped and asked yourself the advice that you are staking your life on you're building your life on is it the advice of the wicked or the advice of the godly see the wicked might be right but they also might be very very wrong because they're wicked who are you taking advice from a lot of places we can get advice. There's a lot of places we can get ideas. I think we should learn as much as we can from as many people as you can. But before you start building your life on someone else's advice, ask yourself, are they wicked? And is this what I want to build my foundation on? Have you stopped to consider whose advice you're building your life on? When you did get godly counsel, were you, so, were you too busy? It got really quiet in here. Or were, you, were you too busy disagreeing or justifying your position to receive it? So, so we go to the godly person, we go to the pastor, we go to the elder, we go to our life team, and they're trying to tell us the right thing, but we're so busy trying to tell them while they're, why they're wrong and we're right that we won't receive the godly advice. We're so busy trying to justify where we are. Listen, if, we're, if what you're doing was working so well, you wouldn't be asking for advice. It's going to get better today. We're just going to go ahead and just going to get this right out there, and it's going to get better from here, I promise. Let me ask you this second, this question. Are you the one giving yourself ungodly advice? Here's what the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? This, this, is, what, this is what the Bible says. So if we're, if we're so busy listening to our, the, our own heart, and everybody says, well, do what your heart says, do what your gut says. You know what? There, there's a measure of truth in that, but there is also this truth, that the human heart is deceitful. And one time it'll steer you right, and the next time it will steer you right off the edge of a cliff. So we've got to get godly counsel, godly advice. Stop taking the advice of the wicked and blaming God. 
Stop taking the advice of your wicked heart and then wondering why God isn't helping you out. This, this has to do with the way we think. So I, I want you to watch here because you're going to see a progression as we go through these. Um, when he's talking about following the advice of the wicked, he's talking about the way you think. Because it starts with our mind, what we're thinking, and then it builds from there. It has to do with the way you think. Number two, they don't stand around with sinners. They don't stand around with sinners. Once you start thinking like the wicked and following the advice of the wicked, you end up standing around with sinners. You end up doing what sinners do. The New King James says that don't stand around in the path of sinners. The English Standard Version says don't stand in the way of sinners. Sinners have a way of going about life. And it may work well for them. That's fine. But as believers, their way won't work in the kingdom of God. And so we have to understand, if I want to walk in the ways of God, I can't also walk in the ways of the sinner. I've got to do things differently. I've got to do things God's way. Sinners have a way, a way of acting. This has to do with the way you behave. So remember, we started with the way you think, and now he's talking about the way you behave. If you start taking the advice of the wicked, you'll start behaving like the sinner. Now doesn't mean we can't be around sinners doesn't mean we should isolate ourselves in the four walls of the church and not even know what to say to a sinner when we see them run from them like they've got the plague or something that's not what God got the Bible says that Jesus was a friend to sinners he was a friend of sinners. So I, I, we, we ha, if we don't, we're in the world, not of the world. I want you to reach out and love everybody. And I want you to be a witness. And I want you to talk to people about Jesus. And I want you to let your light shine before men. But don't take on the way of sinners. Jesus never took on their way. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. You stand around with sinners long enough, and they will corrupt your morals or your character. Watch, what, but, but God has another way. Psalm 16 and 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. God will show you the way of life. So it starts with how we think, getting the advice of the wicked. Then it goes to how we behave to standing around with sinners. And then number three, they don't, don't join in with mockers. It's not just about sinning or doing wrong. They are mocking those who are trying to do it correctly. Um, mockers tend to flock together, and mockers will always find something to mock. Another word that they use in Scripture for mock is scoff, scoffers. Not a word we use in, in our English language much. But here's what it is. A, a mocker doesn't only disagree with your position, but they consider themselves an ambassador for the opposing idea. He cannot rest until he has demonstrated the foolishness of any idea not his own. So, so a mocker, I want you to watch, sinner is going to sin and let you do what you're going to do. But a mocker is another place because a mocker says, not only do I disagree with you, I have to tell the whole world while you're an idiot for doing what you're doing. A mocker is going to mock you for getting up and coming to church this Sunday morning. 
A mocker says, we, there's so many more things we could have done. It's a beautiful day outside. It's 70 degrees and the sun is shining and we could have been doing this or we could have been doing that. We could have gone to a late breakfast this morning. We needed time to be together. I don't know why you go to that church. I don't know why you take time out of your life to go to that life team. I don't know why you take time to pray. That's ridiculous. God doesn't hear you. God doesn't care about you. And a mocker will begin to attack not just they're going to believe what they believe and let you believe what you believe, but they have to attack your stance and make you feel foolish. And here, but I want you to note here, he says, don't join in with mockers. You see, it starts with the way we think. Then it turns to how we behave. And then it ends up with, is this is all about belonging. If we're not careful, there's a progression here that we follow. Thinking behaving, and then we'll end up belonging to a group of people we never thought, saying things we never thought we'd say, doing things we never thought we'd do, believing things we never thought we'd believe. we got to be super careful because this progression happens so quickly before we even know it. We're thinking wrong because we're getting bad advice. We're behaving wrong because we're hanging out with sinners, doing it their way. And then, we're, and then we end up belonging to a group of people we never thought we were. And it's a tragedy when good people get pulled and they don't even realize it when it started. You say, well, man, I was just getting some advice. I thought he was a, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. This is where it starts. This is why the, the psalmist started out the entire book with this. It starts with where you're getting advice from. It ends with who you're joining in with, who you're belonging to. You okay this morning? <laughs> now, he goes on. I'm going to let you breathe a minute. Actually, let me just read these words to you because this is what Jesus said. Because you will be mocked in your life for following Christ. And it's becoming ever more um, prevalent to mock Christians today. It's not the cool thing to be a Christian anymore. Do y'all remember growing up when everybody was a Christian? Everybody went to a church. Uh, everybody was a part. Whether you did or didn't go, you claimed you had a church. Do y'all remember that? Some, some of you claimed two or three. Just in case you ran into somebody that really knew you didn't go, you had a backup. <laughs> I know. Here's what, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15. If the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you had belonged to it. Remember I told you it was about belonging? But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so the world hates you. This is the words of Jesus. Don't get upset when the world hates you and think you're doing something wrong. <laughs> the trap of Christianity is to want everyone to like us. I've been studying on the scripture in John chapter 6. Um, Jesus said to people, does this offend you? Jesus had an offensive nature to him. He loved everybody. He was a friend of the sinners, but he also had an offensive nature to him. And, and here's what he said. He said, I've called you to come out of the world. They're going to hate you because they hated me. You don't belong to them. You belong to me. So let's go now to, he gives us two things that we should do. Two things that we should do. Don't follow the advice of the wicked. Don't stand around with sinners. And don't join in with the mockers. Now watch. 
Number one, in verse two, they delight in the law of the Lord. They delight in the law of the Lord. Now, this doesn't just mean the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, which referred to as the law, but he's talking about the entirety of Scripture here. When you read these verses in, in the Bible, the law of the Lord means the entire Bible. Here, but here, I want you to know, he says, you delight. You delight. I, I, I like what the Message Bible says. You thrill to God's Word. You thrill to God's Word. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Something, something must bring joy to your life. Here, here's what Charles Spurgeon said. Man must have some delight, some supreme pleasure. His heart was never meant to be a vacuum. If not filled with the best things, it will be filled with the unworthy and the disappointing. He's one of the greatest theologians of the last thousand years right here. And, and this is what he said. Your heart is a vacuum. And if you don't fill it with something pleasurable, something good you'll end up filling it with unworthy and disappointing things. And here's what the psalmist is saying. Listen, what you have to do is you have to read the Word of God. And when you do, you will find joy and delight in it. The more you read the Bible, the funner it is to read it. The happier it is to read it. It, it becomes less of a chore and more of something that brings delight to you. When you read the scripture, when you read your one in your Bible, I don't want you to put it as one of the things on your to-do list. I want you to change your language. I get to read scripture today. Do you understand what I'm saying? I get to do this. I get to read the Bible. I, I get to open up scripture and let God speak to me. And you'll find yourself, if you'll change the parameters of how you're viewing the scripture reading, you'll start to realize the joy and the happiness that comes from it. But another version says it like this. Because, because he went on, because sometimes just uh, delighting in the law can think, well, he's just talking about reading it. But another version says, instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. There is something uh, joyous about obeying God. There's something that starts deep down in your soul when you know you're obeying God, when you know you're doing things right, when you know you're living right before God, there's a joy that comes down deep within your soul. And that's what he's talking about. It's not just reading, but it's obeying. So the first thing they did was they delighted in the law of the Lord. And the second one was they meditate on God's word day and night. So it's not just reading and obeying, but it's meditating, meditating, it's thinking, it's stopping and thinking about what you're reading. Eastern meditations are about emptying the mind. Free the mind. Empty the mind. That's not, what, that's not what Christian meditations are about. Christian meditations are about filling the mind with the Word of God. Get it in you and then stop and think on it. Read a verse. Read it again. Read it a third time. Read it in parts. Think about each word. And allow God to speak to you. That's the wonderful thing about this Bible. It is, it is a living thing. And when you begin to read it and allow God, as you think on it and meditate on it, God will speak to you in your situation right out of his word. You don't have to have a thus saith the Lord all the time in your life because God will speak to you straight out of his word. Many people lack the fruit of God's word in their lives because they only read and they don't meditate. They just, they just read it, but they never take time to think about how God wants to apply it to their life. 
Think about the verse. Then he says day and night. Now, uh, some say that what he means here is all day long. But most commentators uh, realize that that's probably not exactly what he was saying. It's good to think about Scripture and have a Scripture on your mind all day long. And that's wonderful. But more specifically, in every single version I read, he said day and night. He never said all day long. He always said day and night. Meaning this, start your morning day by getting in the Word of God. And it will set the tone for your day. And as you look back over your day and the counsel you received from the godly and what you did and the decisions you make, if you'll look back over it in light of the Word of God, you'll see if there was fruit born and, and God will speak to you about what you need to do the next day. So as we set our plans, we do it by reading the Word of God and getting His Word in us. Are you tracking with me? Okay, a minute ago it got hard and y'all got super quiet. We were doing good and then we went down. And then we end our day. You know, so often in life, we start things, but we never stop to say, are they working? Did they work? Did we win? Maybe we shouldn't keep doing this because the plan isn't working. And so we just keep going and we keep going and we keep going. We add more things to our life and more things to our life and more things to our life. And we end up with a bunch of things that don't work and never work. And we feel unfruitful. If sometimes we would stop and say, okay, Lord, let me read the scripture. Let me meditate on it. Now let me look back on my life. There might be some things God's been telling you. They're unfruitful because it's not in season. And I want you to get rid of that now. Just a thought for you. So he said, meditate on it day and night. Start your day and end your day in the word of God. Five blessings for those who do these things. Number one's kind of funny. It's just very simple. You're a tree. Let, let me read it to you again before you get mad at me for calling you a tree. <laughs> they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Number one, he said, you're like a tree. I'm not, we're not talking about size. We're talking about strength and stability. Trees in Scripture often represented humanity because they stand upright. Okay, but, but they were also known for strength and stability, meaning uh, when he said you're like a strong tree or you're like a, a, a tree that's rooted, it means you, you're rooted in God, you're rooted in the Word of God, and it gives you the strength to be able to carry weight in your life. Did any of you ever, ever build a tree house when you were a kid? I did. Um, man, I built a great tree house. But you know, you didn't build it and some little bitty small tree. You went and got the big tree with the big limbs and that could carry the weight of the house you were trying to build. Here's what God says of you. I want you to be a tree that's so strong that other people can build on you, that you can carry the weight uh, of your family, that you can carry the weight of other people, that you can be a shade to the people around you. And when they're hurting, when they're hot, when they're worn out, they can come and you'll have the strength and the stability to be able to help them in their time of need. That's what God wants to say of you. He wants to say you're stronger than you thought you were. You're more stable than you thought you were. Here's the other thing about trees. They're, they're, what he's referring to here is they're rooted, they're strong, they're, they're stable, and they can stand through storms. They can stand through storms. When you have little small trees, and we have this um, small palm tree in the front of the house, and every time a halfway decent storm comes through, it blows the whole thing over. 
we got ropes tied to it and everything. It doesn't even take a good storm. It takes like a, eh, maybe a little bit of indigenous. It falls over and back out there picking it. That's not what God said of you. He said in the biggest and the strongest storms, you're going to be the tree that is standing there all the way through because you're rooted in the word of God. Can I get an amen? This is one of the blessings. This is one of the results of doing it the right way. Number two is this. You are planted by the river. You're planted by the river. Now, the river represents here a continual source of life, a continual source of, of energy and of refreshing. And so he said, you've got to be planted by the river. Here's the thing. If you are constantly needing life and encouragement from other people, ask yourself, where am I planted and who is my source? What do I mean by that? Let, well, let me say it to you like this. Many of you know I, I have a, an esophageal problem, uh, eosoph eosinophilic esophagitis. I know, I can't even spell it. Um, it's EOE. And it causes me to choke on food most of the time, especially certain things. So when I sit down at a restaurant, if you've ever, ever been to eat with me, you will notice that I drink a ton of water. It takes it to get the food down. So I'm drinking water and drinking water like usually... Before we order, I'm already two glasses of water in because I can't eat bread. Um, Mexican food is my absolute favorite. I can't eat, even eat chips without just drinking water so quickly. So when I'm in a restaurant, I'm always needing water. As I'm eating, I'm always needing water. I am forever looking for some waitress, some server, some person. I don't care if it's a busboy or a manager. I need water all the time. And so I am continually looking from person to person to person to say, who's going to be the next one to fill up my glass? When I'm at home, though, we, we always eat at our bar, and I sit at the place that's right near the refrigerator. And so that I can, I don't even have to move my chair. When I empty my glass, which again is six or eight times before I finish my meal, I just reach over and fill it up. Here's my point. If we're always looking for life and encouragement and the right words from other people, if they're the ones that are going to fill our tank and be our source and be our, be our uh, source of life and energy, we will forever be running around like me with a glass looking for a waitress and never fully satisfied. But when we get planted by the river, the word of God, the living word of God, you're like me sitting at the bar where when you run dry, no problem, I'm right here, you just reach over and fill it up. I'm going to tell you, people will, you can set the expectations wherever you want, but if you're expecting them to be your source, your husband will mess up. Your wife won't always be there. Your pastor will overlook you. Your friends will forget about you. People move on, and you will always be running around begging someone else to fill you up when God said, let me be your source. You see, the river is the word of God. It's Christ. Let God be your word. Can I get an amen this morning? Because I feel like I'm preaching really good. Um, thank you. Look, I could hear the people at home amening me. Number two, you're planted by the river. Number three, you bear fruit in season. You bear fruit in season. Your life will be productive. You will bear fruit. If you do things according to the advice of the wicked, and I, and I love this. Can you put up the message Bible, verse 1, for me? I didn't read this to you earlier. I, I, I put it up. I'm sorry, Ahmad, I, I've changed order on you. Just throw up uh, Psalm 1-1 in the message Bible for me. How well God must like you. Watch this. 
You don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Road. And you don't go to Smart Mouth College. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. Here's the deal. He said, um, you will bear fruit in the season. If you do things according to the advice, of the, the advice of the wicked, you will end up hanging out at Sin Saloon and, and along Dead End Road and hanging out at Smart Mouth College. But if you would read and meditate and obey the Word of God, your life would bear fruit. Fruit is the natural result of being planted by a river. When a tree is planted by a river and its roots run deep, the natural result is it bears fruit. John 1 and 14, the Bible says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. What is He saying here? The Word of God, the Bible, the, the written Word of God, became flesh, if you're reading from the New King James Version, and dwelt among us here in the New Living. He became human and made His home among us. What was His name? Jesus. It's not a trick question. So here, here's the point. We move forward. Um, John 15 and 5, Jesus begins speaking these words. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're living in the kingdom of God, you have to be connected with Jesus and rooted in the word of God if you want to bear fruit. And if you do those things, here's what he said. You're not just going to have one little bit of fruit, but you're going to bear much fruit. These are the words of Jesus. If you're reading in a red letter edition, they are written in red. You'll bear much fruit. But I love this. He said, in its season, in its season, the word of God takes time to produce fruit. It is not a quick fix. It takes time to grow fruit. Have you, have you seen, I don't remember if it's an orange, like an orange juice commercial, where the guy's in the, in the orange orchard and he's going to pick the orange. And he's like standing there and the girl's going, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. And he's like, now, no, not yet. And this goes on forever. And finally, she's like, now. And he grabs the fruit. And he's like, we picked the fruit at the perfect time. Have, you, have y'all seen that commercial? Cracks me up. But here's the thing. It takes, what they're saying is it takes time to produce fruit. But, but we come in, at, if we're not careful, we'll approach the Word of God and our relationship with God like a quick fix. And sometimes, in just one moment, God does all kinds of stuff. But most of the time, it takes a season or a period of time of applying the Word of God, doing the right thing, building a relationship with God to allow the fruit to grow. So it'll be that perfect fruit in your life. And God looks down and He says, yes, now it's time. No, 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 no. We're trying to pick the fruit. It's green. It's no good. And we're trying to pick it. And then we're wondering what the problem is. God said, I told you it wasn't the time. But you're going to bear fruit in its season. If you haven't borne fruit from the word of God, don't give up. See, so many people give up before the fruit has time to grow. It's going to bear fruit in its season. Now, he goes on to the next one here, and this one stuck me. He says, your leaves will never wither. I read seven or eight commentaries, couldn't figure out what he was talking about with the leaves not withering here. I'm like, is he talking about 
being beautiful? Is he talking about being dry? What is he talking about here? And so finally, I had to go from, there's different levels of commentaries, and some of them are like straight Hebrew, like hard to read and understand, but every now and then you've got to go read them, okay? And so I, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to break down and do this thing. I'm eight commentaries in. I'm, I couldn't get away from it. Then I thought, before I went there, I was like, man, I'm just going to skim right over this. People never know. This, this is a true story. But I couldn't. Something in me said, no, you've got to figure out what this is. And so when I got to this commentary, they helped me to understand that the meaning of it, that he had pulled this reference from other places in Scripture. It was actually used three different times in Scripture. Can I read you the other two? And you're, you're going to see here. I want you to get the context. There's a tree planted by a river. It's bearing fruit in its season, and its leaves don't wither. You got me? All right. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. And on the banks and both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither. Okay, does this sound right? The bank of the river, there's a tree that's bearing fruit, and the leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. This is, this is the same picture here, right? Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Fast forward to the book of the Revelation, chapter 22, verse 2. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of nations. When I read this, God said to me, Randon, I wouldn't let you go because here's what I want to say to the people. If they'll stay connected in me, if they'll stay connected to the word of God, if they'll stay planted by the river, I'm going to bring them a source of healing that never runs out. It never withers. He said, it's held to people. That if you're bruised and you're hurting and you've been beat up and you've been lied about and you've been cut and you've been wounded, he said, tell them that they're going to receive healing today. And not only do you receive healing, but what he's putting in you, if you'll do these things, part of the blessing is he puts in you a continual healing power that when you get bruised, you will automatically start healing. When you get beaten up, you will automatically start healing. It won't take waiting for a perfect sermon. You, won't, you don't have to go to a, a, a psychiatrist three times a week, but internally, because you're in the Word of God, and Jesus is in you, and the Word that became flesh is abiding in you. Now the healer that went to the whipping post for your healing, he's abiding in you. And he said, listen, I want them to know that the healing power is in them, and it's going to automatically start happening. And people are going to look at them and say, you should be upset about that and you say I don't really know why I'm not upset it's because your leaves will never wither and healing power will always flow through you 
And then he said, and then he, and then he said this, and I had to show you Revelation 22 as well, because he said, it's not just for you, it's for the nations. It's for the people around you. You will be a source of healing for those around you. You will carry with you words of life and words of healing. And when you grab someone's hand, you're going to see their life begin to shift and their life begin to change and their heart begin to heal and their hearts begin to uh, 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 let go of the past and the pain. And God's going to do a wonderful work. He's going to do a wonderful work. He wants to use you to heal the nations. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance, and we're going to open these altars. If you need healing today, this could be physical healing. This could be emotional healing. This could be mental healing from any sort of abuse, whether on purpose or accidental. It could be anything. It could be words that people have said that have cut you deeply. I want to open these altars, and God's going to heal you today. God's going to do some healing work today. Is that okay? I want to go to number five now. And it's very important, and then we'll open these altars, and we'll pray. Number five, they will prosper. You will prosper in all you do. You'll prosper in all you do. This is interesting here because at first read, we think that means that I can go live my life any way I want to and God's going to make me prosper. That's not what he's talking about here. We have to put it back in the context of the tree. Okay? And here's the deal. A tree will prosper as a tree. A tree won't prosper as an animal or as a grass. It prospers as a tree. Even more than that. A peach tree will only prosper as a peach tree. So what does that mean? Don't try to be someone else. Find out who God created you to be and be that person. And when you're that person, God will prosper you in all that you do. He created you with something in mind. He didn't create a peach tree and then say, never mind, I am demanding that you grow oranges. He didn't create you to do something and then put expectations on you to be somebody else. Be who God called you to be. And in that, you'll prosper in all that you do. I want to speak a word of prosperity in your life. As you walk in who God created you to be. And it all goes back to the beginning. If you want to know who you are, it starts with delighting yourself in the law of the Lord. Meditating on His word day and night. Not taking the advice of the wicked. You ask them who you are, they may tell you wrong. Not hanging out with sinners, doing what sinners do. And not joining in with the mocker, but getting in the Word of God and allowing God to speak to you. Five blessings. You're stronger and you're stable. You're rooted. You're planted by the river. You don't, you don't have to wait on other people to fill you up because the source is there. The continual source coming from the Word of God, from Jesus Himself, is going to fill you. You're going to bear fruit in your season, in time. I know that there are people here today that, that I'm talking to you, you've been thinking about giving up. You've been thinking about throwing in the towel. God said, don't throw in the towel. Your season is coming. You will bear fruit 
keep doing what you're supposed to do. Your leaves will never wither. You're going to be healed. And you're going to prosper in all you do as you discover who you're created to be in God. I, 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 want, I want these blessings to be on your life. Do you know that the blessings I spoke to you last week, they were the commanded blessing. All you had to do was be a people of God. This blessing is more conditional. If we don't do things, but rather do things, then this is what will be released in our life. So I want to pray this blessing over you, but at the same time, you've got to know, I have a role and a responsibility in this. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you. And then our pa- as soon as I'm done, our pastors and elders are going to come. We're going to worship for just a few moments, but these altars are going to be open. And I want to pray that God would heal you, bear fruit in your life, give you strength and stability, help you to realize that people aren't your source, God is your source, and help you to prosper in all that you do. Father, thank you for your word that you have given to us, for this promise that if we would do what we're supposed to do and, and, and not follow the advice of the wicked, if we would not walk in the way of the sinner, if we would not join in with the mocker, but Lord, if we would delight ourselves in the law of the Lord and, and if we would meditate on your word day and night, if we would get connected to you, God, if we would get into your word, you want to bless us. Father, I, I declare that the people in this room that, that, are, that are obeying you and doing your word and meditating on God, they are stronger than they thought they were. They're more stable than they thought they were as they get rooted in you. Father, they are connected to the source of life, Jesus Christ, to the continual source that flows through your word. God, let them not be reliant upon other people, but let them be filled with you, O oh God. Father, I pray that we would all bear fruit in our season for those that are barely hanging on, that have been thinking of throwing in the towel. Lord, give them the strength and the encouragement to stick it out today that their season is coming. And God, you're just trying to get the fruit just perfect in their life, but you're about to say now. Father, for those that need healing, in just a moment as they come to this altar, I declare healing power is going to flow in their life and things are going to begin to change instantly, Lord. When they walk out of this place, they're going to walk out different. Father, help us to know who we are in you, that we might prosper in all that we do as we're living out your dreams and your plans and your thoughts for us. I declare it to be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.